All righty, all righty. Go ahead and find a seat. We'll get started. Welcome to North Village Church. My name is Michael, one of the pastors here, and it's great to be here with you uh, this morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one at the back, or you can just go to page 64 in our devotional. If you're new here this morning, please take this home as our gift to you. It's uh, where we're going as a church family on Sunday mornings between now and August 2022. Uh, we also have tablets we pass through the aisle, and, and uh, if you're a part of our church family, kind of check in every Sunday. That's, that's kind of what drives how we pray for our church family. We use that as a resource to do that, so take advantage. And if you're new here this morning, then whatever information you're comfortable providing, we want to make it as easy as possible to learn about North Village Church. This morning we are continuing our series called What About? You can look through the devotional to see where we're going for the next two Sundays. Uh, uh, but through this series, we've been looking at a myriad of different conversations, right? We've been uh, talking about uh, the role of women. Uh, we've been uh, talking about abortion. We've talked about those who have never uh, heard about Jesus. Uh, we've talked about racism. We've talked about uh, politics. We talked about sex uh, before marriage, and uh, you can see all of these on our uh, YouTube channel as a resource if you want to catch up uh, with what we've talked about in the past. Uh, but this morning, we're going to talk about homosexuality. Um, I understand this conversation is uh, complicated. Uh, this conversation is uncomfortable, um, and it's complicated. Uh, because we all have unique sexual desires, right? I mean, there's nobody in this room that has 100% uh, the same sexual desires as somebody else. So that makes communication, when we're talking about sexuality, that makes communication complicated. Uh, what one person finds sexually desirable, another person might find sexually objectionable and vice versa. Uh, because our sexual desires are different, right? We feel different things. We're attracted to different people, and that makes it impossible to capture this conversation completely in 30 minutes. Um, in addition, this conversation is it's uncomfortable to talk about sexuality. If you're here this morning and you're just like, ugh, like this is, you're not the only one. Uh, and historically, the local church hasn't done a great job of, of talking about sexuality in general, much less homosexuality. Uh, it's uncomfortable because we have friends and family members who are living in homosexual relationships, and so that, that means this conversation this morning, it's not academic, it's not theoretical, like it's, it's real. These are real life stories that we're talking about. It's uncomfortable because our culture has connected this conversation to the civil rights movement. And, and there's a connotation of racism or bigotry or not wanting to be on the wrong side of history. And so that makes it uncomfortable. And it's uncomfortable for me personally. Uh, I've sat down with a number of men uh, and women uh, who have given me the honor of hearing their journey with homosexual desires. And each journey is different. Every story is unique uh, but generally speaking, uh, they share stories of frustration. They share stories of shame and judgment and fear. And in no way uh, do I want to add to their pain this morning. So as we enter into this conversation, I really want to remind us, 
few weeks ago when we talked about sex before marriage, we talked about our culture, the United States culture's value of sex and sexuality, and, and that there's three values that, that our culture kind of rallies around, and wanted to just remind us of those real quickly. One is that one may not criticize someone's sexual choices. So our, our culture is going to naturally kind of stir up in us that it's not okay to criticize someone's sexual choices. One may not coerce or cause harm to others. And then our culture values that one may not engage in sexual relationships without consent. So you don't, when I say it's in our culture, like you don't have to try to value these things. Like we just grow up in the United States in 2021 and you're, you're, you're gonna think like, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're supposed to do. And you need to know God's word absolutely affirms points two and three. It's consistent with God's word, points two and three, but God's word absolutely speaks into our sexual desires and our choices, including homosexuality. So that my hope this morning isn't really to push a particular view uh, on us this morning, but more so just kind of frame the conversation for us, invite us into the conversation, and then to wrestle with God's word uh, in the conversation so that we're going to do, we're going to shoot for three things this morning. We just want to define the conversation. How, how does God's word respond to this conversation? And, and then what are the objections um, to God's word. And so let's tackle that first one. Let's try, try to define the conversation. There are many conversations we could explore uh, this morning on homosexuality, uh, but we only have so much time. <laughs> and, and at the heart of this conversation today, it seems like the most common question is, is it possible to have homosexual desires and still call yourself a follower of Jesus? Does that make sense? Is it possible to have homosexual desires and still call yourself a follower of Jesus? So like in all of our conversations throughout this series, it's easy for words to get lost in translation. And so I just want to just start off with some definitions. And the first one is just defining what we mean when we say follower of Jesus. Like I'm intentionally not using the word Christian. Right? A follower of Jesus is someone who sees Jesus as Lord over every area of our lives. Someone who has decided to turn from sin to trust and obey Jesus by grace, through faith. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I'm intentionally, I mean, when you say Christian, I'm intentionally not using the word Christian because, I mean, you could call yourself a Christian because you're born in the United States in 2021. You could call yourself a Christian because you attended Baylor University or you grew up in a Christian home or you're attending a local church. And, and, and that's not what we're talking, we're not talking about a title of Christian, we're talking about a follower of Jesus is somebody who's a disciple of Jesus. Second, when we say homosexuality, homosexuality is a person who is attracted to a person with the same sex. Importantly, the physical act of two same-sex people having sex is the expression of homosexuality, not necessarily the sum total of the person. Does that make sense? This distinction is important. Now, I hope you see that throughout all these conversations right now. Like, they're not Facebook conversations. 
They're not 40 characters or less conversations. I mean, there's complex phrases, wording, definitions that we need to get below the service to dig into. And the distinction that we're seeing here in this definition is important because so many times we hear the word homosexuality and we tend to zero in on the sexual behavior of homosexual desires instead of a desire that a person has toward the same sex. So we're going to keep digging into that as we go throughout our our message this morning. But when we ask that question, is it possible to have homosexual desires and still call yourself a follower of Jesus, right? That's what we're we're asking. Is Is it possible? Is it possible when we define this conversation to have homosexual desires and still call yourself a follower of Jesus? So there's two Typical groups, two typical responses that we see in our culture today. The first one is there are those who are going to look at God's word and they're going to conclude that homosexuality needs to be absolutely rejected. Some would conclude that homosexuality is unnatural, immoral, and as a follower of Jesus, we should be intolerant and condemning of homosexuality in every way. The other group There are other groups who say, no, God's word completely accepts and supports homosexuality. As a result, there are gatherings of people on a Sunday morning that will teach that the Bible supports homosexuality. And some will even claim Jesus himself was a homosexual man. So that as a follower of Jesus today, this conversation is confusing. Like, am I, as a follower of Jesus today, am I supposed to reject, condemn, or am I supposed to accept and embrace? It's really hard. This morning, I want to offer a third option. When we ask this question, is it possible to have homosexual desires and still call yourself a follower of Jesus? I want to offer a third option option this morning. And the third option, there are a large number of men and women who are followers of Jesus, like we talked about earlier. And they hold to the truth that all of humanity has sexual desires. Makes sense, right? All of humanity has sexual desires. And as a follower of Jesus, we are submitting those sexual desires desires to Jesus as Lord. And scripture makes it clear that our sexual relationships, the sexual encounters that we have in life are designed by God in Genesis 1 and 2 to be between husband and wife in marriage, right? This is that third group. This is a third option I want to present to us this morning. So then when we ask this question, is it possible to have homosexual desires and still call yourself a follower of Jesus? The answer is absolutely yes. You with me? I mean, Genesis 1 and 2 makes it clear that, that all of humanity has sexual desires, right? And then because of our sin, Genesis chapter 3 that as a result of our sin, as a result of Genesis chapter three, our sexual desires are broken, they're fractured, and then they work themselves out in a myriad of different desires. 
I just want to stress this brokenness in Genesis chapter 3, this, 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 this fracturing that takes place. Because it's not just at the sexual desire level, it's also at the social desire level. Like it's also at the spiritual desire. Like it's all encompassing brokenness, spiritually, socially, sexually, that works itself out in different ways so that today, 2021, you're going to see sexual desires manifest themselves in promiscuity, multiple partners outside of marriage, pornography, polygamy, and homosexuality. And Jesus has come, this is the gospel, Jesus has come to show like, hey, this is the brokenness of our world. This is how we've fractured. This is how we've drifted. He's come to shine a light into those dark places so that we might see it for what it is and that we would turn to Jesus by grace through faith and find life in him. Find life that he intended us to have from the very beginning. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I heard one person say it this way, the invitation of Jesus to the person with homosexual desires is not to become heterosexual. That's not the hope. I mean, if you're here this morning and you find yourself a a, a longing for homosexual desires, the invitation isn't to, to, to have heterosexual desires. The invitation from Jesus is to be holy. And that invitation is made to all people. In addition, what sets this third group of people apart from those first two options is that it is never, as a follower of Jesus, it is never okay to mistreat people because of their sexual desires. It's not okay. Right, because of Genesis 1 and 2. It's foundation for humanity that he created all people made in his image. And that means they're worthy of dignity and honor and respect simply because people are made in his image. God's word makes it clear that he is grieved by anger. He is, he is grieved by and angered and outraged by how people have been treated in the homosexual community. It's not okay. As a follower of Jesus, we absolutely want to speak out against that. Studies show in 2020, 17% of all hate crimes were based on sexual orientation. Justifying a hate crime because of sexual orientation, absolutely not okay. In 2019, studies show that almost 70% of the LTGBQ community has experienced harassment in the workplace. 70%. It's not okay. So if you're here this morning, you want to be a follower of Jesus, you want to be in step with God's word, then we absolutely speak out against homophobia. We absolutely speak up for the oppressed. When we look around, that's what we're doing as a church family this year, we're looking around, John chapter four, lifting our eyes to see, we're not looking around to mock people, to make fun of people, but we're looking around to extend friendship to all people. And yeah, we wanna be clear on the conviction of God's word, 
And we also want to be clear that we value all people because they're created in his image. That's the third group I want to suggest to our church family. Let's look at how God's word responds. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. How does God's word respond? We're going to look at 1 Corinthians. The Corinthian church is absolutely in the middle of a culture. It's like 2021. I mean, the culture in the Corinthian church is indifferent towards Jesus. If you read this letter on your own, and you really should, it's fascinating, 1 Corinthians, you're going to see a people who absolutely have damaged sexual desires, social, damaged social, damaged spiritual desires, and they're learning to submit, right, to bring those desires under the lordship of Jesus. You get to go, you can, it's a, it's a, case study you get to see in 1 Corinthians. Like you're gonna see people getting drunk at communion. Like that's what's going on in the Corinthian church in the first century. And they're okay with it. Like that's where they are in their spiritual maturity. They're getting drunk off of communion and lifting their hands in worship. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Right? And the Apostle Paul, he's writing in 1 Corinthians, he's just like, hey, we're going to want to submit that desire to the Lord, and we're going to want to mature, we're going to want to grow. You're going to see men and women having sex with their family members. And they think it's okay. It's not a big deal, because it's what they've always done. And the Apostle Paul is writing like, hey, we're submitting those desires to the Lord, right? You're going to see people that are confused. They're married. They're, in 1 Corinthians, there's men and women who are married. Genesis 1 and 2, they're married, right? And they're abstaining from sex because they think it makes them more holy. They're confused. The Apostle Paul is right. He's like, no, 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 no. And he's, I just want you to see that. Right? We're not just talking about homosexuality. There is a life that we're submitting to Jesus. Look at verses 7 and 8. They're taking each other to court. That's what seven and eight's about. Actually then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. The apostle Paul is writing, you're suing each other. You're lifting your hands in worship on a Sunday and then you're like, I'll see you in court on Monday, right? He's like, what are you doing, right? You have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather suffer the wrong? Is it that big a deal that somebody ate your chicken? Let it go. Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves do wrong and defraud. And this is to your brothers and sisters. You see what's going on? This might feel a little bit out of like we're talking about court cases and on this car. I just want you to see it's, it's, it's not just homosexuality or sexual desires that are submitted to the Lord, but it's all of our lives. Because in, in our sin, there's sexual brokenness, there's social brokenness, there's, there's spiritual brokenness, and we're submitting ourselves to, young people, listen to me, like this, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I, I don't care, it's Christian home, Christian church in the United States, what you're going to learn as you go throughout life is that your hopes, your fears, your dreams, you're going to submit them to Jesus. You're going to be a follower of Jesus. He's going to show you that there's life in him, that this, what this world offers is, is broken jars. They're not going to satisfy. So turn to Jesus. That's in every area of our life. You can think about it practically like this. Like a few years ago, there was this uh, cruise ship off the coast of Italy that uh, got jammed up and uh, got stuck. And then eventually, this giant cruise ship got turned on its side. And there's people 
on this cruise ship. And so they're like, we got to get these people off this cruise ship. And so their, t- their instructions to the people is that, well, you're just going to have to walk sideways through the cruise ship, right? There's your, your floor is now your wall. Your wall is now your floor. And so you're going to walk on your floor because the cruise ship's on its side. You're going to step over the door, right? You're going to step through windows. And the people on the ship, they were like, yeah, at first it was really weird. And it was really uncomfortable and it didn't feel right but they were surprised that after a while because it's a big cruise ship takes a while to get off a cruise ship they said after a while it felt really natural right it felt really comfortable walk on the wall step over the door step through the window and they got off the ship that's a little bit of what's being described in scripture right and in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, I mean, he said, look, this is what life is supposed to look like. But from Genesis chapter 3, all of life has been tilted. And it's been tilted so long that we think it's normal. So that when we talk about our sexual desires, our social desires, our spiritual desires, we're just like, this is what it's supposed to look like, right? And Jesus has come to say, no, like, look. And he's, he's like wanting to kind of tilt the world back to its rightful place. It's like, this is what it's supposed to look like. That's the gospel. Listen, I'm not telling you that because like, as a pastor, that's what I'm supposed to say. That's what I've personally experienced in my life. My sexual desires, my social desires, my spiritual desires were damaged and broken. They were tilted. They were fractured. And Jesus has come in his grace to say, look, Michael, this is what it's supposed to look like. And I have found life. Like there is goodness in Jesus. Like, and that is the invitation that we're talking about this morning. Look at verses nine and 10. Verse nine, the apostle Paul writes, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor those who habitually, those who habitually dr- are habitually drunk, nor verbal abusers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, I'm not sure why, but for some reason we just read that verse and we focus on the word homosexuality. I don't know why, because that's not the focus of the passage. I mean, if you look at it, again, it's highlighting our brokenness. There's spiritual brokenness, idolatry. There's sexual brokenness, adultery, homosexuality. There's social brokenness in our relationships with one another, greed, verbally abusive, swindlers. Therefore, it's important, right, that we just, we don't just look at one word in those verses, but that actually we focus on the highlighted, so highlighted it for us, right? The highlighted phrase where it says, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, you need to know, when it says that phrase, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, it's not talking about like a group of people over there or those people over there or those people over there. It's talking about all people, all people will not inherit the kingdom of God because we're all sinners. We're all broken. That's Romans chapter three. None of us are righteous. None of us understand the glory of God. None of us seek after God. And the gospel is that Jesus has come to say to all people, do you see the brokenness? 
Do you see the fracturing? Do you see the, the, the exhaustion that it brings? Turn to him. Sexually, spiritually, socially, find life in him by grace through faith. In addition, did you notice those words are describing lifestyles? This is important to clarify. We're not talking about a desire. We're not talking about a thought. We're not talking about a one-off. We're talking about a lifestyle. And as a follower of Jesus, we all have desires that are contrary to God's word. We all have thoughts that lead us away from him. We all have longings that lead us to be antithetical to God's word. So there's a big difference. I want you to hear that this morning. There's a big difference for the follower of Jesus who has the desire and the one who makes the desire their habitual, repetitive lifestyle. There's a big difference. Look at James chapter one. This is drawing out the difference between desire and lifestyle. James chapter one says, blessed be the man who perseveres under trial. It's talking about the man or the woman who has the desire, has the thought, has the longing, perseveres. No one is to say when tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Right? God doesn't bring that desire to us. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his or her own lust. So it isn't just to have the desire or to have the thought, but it's to have the desire and then to marinate on it. To think about it, to ruminate, to imagine, and then, the last part, then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Do you see the difference? It's important to clarify the difference between desire and habitual lifestyle. That's why we can say that, can you have homosexual desires and still call yourself a follower of Jesus? Absolutely. I mean, let's not get so uh, confused in our conversation around sexuality that we miss that it's complicated. Sometimes when we have this conversation, we present it as I either have 100% homosexual desires that I act upon 100% of the time or zero. I either have 100% homosexual or heterosexual desires that I, act, I think about and act upon 100% of the time or zero. Like we present it as kind of a all or nothing. And that's just not reality, especially as a young person. I mean, your bodies and your brains are exploding with chemistry and hormones. No telling what kind of desires y'all have going on in there. That's the human, that's the human body we're going to have desires going all over the place. So I have this graph for you. Think about, it's just trying to capture for us visually the, the variety of sexual desires that a person might have. So that, that first one, that larger circle, right, is that a person, a large part of the population can acknowledge that the same sex is attractive. A large part of our population can look at the same sex and say, that man's a good looking guy. That woman, that's a, that's a beautiful woman. When I look at Brad Pitt, I'm like, Brad Pitt, that's a good-looking dude, right? It's an attractive guy. I mean, we have a lot of things in common, right? And so 
Game knows game. That's all I'm saying. It's just like, that's a good-looking guy. I can understand why he's such a big deal. Large part of our population can look at the same sex, and that's not a, that's not a big deal. That's, that's a large part of our population. And then within that circle, yeah, these aren't, you know, uh, to, to, uh, to scale, but you know, within that larger circle, there's a smaller circle that's like not just thinking that, oh, that, that's, that can acknowledge that that same sex is attractive, but there's a, there's a good chunk of our population that's actually taken it a little step further and has had sexual thoughts about the same sex. Not acting upon those thoughts, but it's just, I thought, like, wonder what it would be like to, to kiss that same sex or to, and just, maybe it's a five-second thought, maybe it's a five-minute thought. It's just, it's just those thoughts pop in. They're never acted upon, but they, they pop in. And then within that middle circle, there's a, a smaller circle of our population that not only can acknowledge that same sex is attractive, but then also has thoughts upon that same sex and then, and then actually acts upon those thoughts. And that doesn't mean they act upon those thoughts 100% of the time. It just means they have acted upon those thoughts. And so I just, I wanted to draw that out for us a little bit when we think about uh, and we talk about these, you know, sexual desires and as they are submitted to Jesus as Lord. I mean, there's a, there's a larger conversation that's taking place. But that's the invitation for every one of us, sexually, socially, spiritually, is that we are surrendering our lives to Jesus because life is better in Jesus. Let's talk about the objections. What are the objections? Number one, we've got five of them. People will say Jesus never spoke out against homosexuality. So you'll see this on TikTok. Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. And that's true. There is never recording of Jesus using the word homosexuality. But it's not true that Jesus never spoke to our sexuality. Right? That's just not true. Mark chapter 10, Jesus references Genesis 1 and 2. So Jesus spoke to our sexuality. Genesis 1 and 2, we see that Adam is alone and that the God of Scripture says it's not good for man to be alone. And so he seeks out a helper suitable for him. You'll notice, you can read it on your own in Genesis chapter 2. He doesn't, he doesn't seek out an animal. There's nothing wrong with owning pets, but he doesn't give Adam a pet. He doesn't give Adam another man. He brings Adam a woman. That's the foundation. That's just what's best, that he's designed humanity for our sexual relationships to take place between husband and wife and marriage. So Jesus does speak to our sexuality. Number two, what about the Old Testament laws that we don't follow? So this is a really common one on social media. It'd be like, you know, people today, they eat shellfish uh, you don't see many people complain about that. They wear fabrics, you know, two different fabrics woven together. No, they're just picking on homosexuality. So let me just, you have to lean in with me. This is a little complicated, trying to make it as simple as possible. But you got to know when you're looking at the Old Testament, right, that, that Israel in the Old Testament is set aside to be the means by which a Savior is ushered in to humanity. All right? That's the big picture of the Bible. Okay? So when the... When Israel is set aside to do that, they're, they're given three laws. 
They're given civil laws, they're given ceremonial laws, and they're given moral laws. Civil laws, because Israel is going to exist as a nation. And so as a government, there's laws. He, he's like, hey, this is what it's going to look like practically. And then ceremonial laws about how to worship through the temple, how to have a relationship with God. So there's ceremonial laws. And then the last one, moral laws, how to treat one another. All right, it's almost done. Hang in there with me. When Jesus comes and he calls us to be his people, there's no longer a need for civil laws because we're not a nation as his people, right? There's no longer a need for ceremonial laws because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We've already been reconciled. We don't need ceremonies. We got Jesus. But we still follow moral laws, Right? How we treat one another still applies. Third one. It was promiscuous homosexuality that was rejected, not committed homosexual relationships. So lean in with me. The response is, of course, promiscuous homosexual relationships are, are spoken against in Scripture. That's not what uh, is best for us. But if it's hetero or homosexual, what matters is that you have two committed people. And this argument, I can, you can understand how, like, oh, I guess that kind of makes sense. But you got you you to keep in mind, like, that rhetorically, that's, that's called an argument from silence. Does that make sense? Be like, well... It's an argument for science because the, the argument is, well, if it doesn't specifically say it, then it must be okay, right? So it doesn't specifically define the types of homosexual relationships that are okay and not okay. So these must be okay. It's an argument from silence. So in comparison, right, you don't walk up to somebody and poke them in the eye and be like, well, the Bible never says that I can't poke you in the eye, right? You would never think that. Right? You don't need a verse in scripture where Jesus says, thou shalt not poke one another in the eye. Because you know, oh, scripture teaches you should love people and it's not loving to poke one another in the eye, right? It similarly applies to this response, right? He, he, over and over in scripture, Genesis 1 and 2 are referenced as the foundation for our sexual relationships. Number four, two more. Number four, I was born this way, right? There is a debate in our culture today that if, if the homosexual desires come from our genetics or if homosexual desires come from our environment, right? Is it, is it nature or is it nurture? And, and then people will debate back and forth whether it's nature and nurture. But you need to know this, this objection doesn't really carry any weight for the follower of Jesus. Because it doesn't really matter if our desires are genetic, we inherited them from our parents, or environment, we've been influenced by our culture. It doesn't really matter, right? It's probably both. Because what it all comes down to is that we're submitting those desires to Jesus as Lord. Last one. Are we... Uh, are we really welcome? Are homosexuals really welcome at North Village Church? So there's two kinds of people at North Village Church. There's attenders and there's partners. An attender is somebody who's exploring 
North Village Church, investigating the claims of Jesus, wrestling with God's word. And you need to know, absolutely, the door is wide open to any man, woman, or child that's attending North Village Church to explore and investigate and to wrestle, absolutely wide open. Come, please, come. The second group we call partners. And partners, the partners of our church family, are men, women, and children who've submitted their lives to Jesus. They're followers of Jesus. They're submitting their sexual, social, and spiritual desires to Jesus as Lord. And as partners, as followers of Jesus, we all absolutely have thoughts, we have longings, we have desires that are contrary to God's word. And there are times that we listen to those thoughts and that we act on those thoughts. And there's times where we stray away from Jesus. But as a follower of Jesus, as a partner of our church family, that we are always turning back that we are always responding with confession and repentance to submit our lives to Jesus, to receive his grace, to receive his forgiveness. And we'll do that over and over and over and over until we are face to face with Jesus. Does that make sense? Let's end with the, let's end with the gospel. We didn't look at verse 11 um, when we walk through 1 Corinthians 6, but I wanted us to end with 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 11. Read this with me. It says, such were some of you. Do you remember in verses 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul, he's listing off all these, all these lifestyles, drunkards, swindlers, abusers, homosexuals, uh, adulterers, idolaters, and he says in verse 11, such were some of you but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of our God. I mean, take that in for a second. That means the Apostle Paul is writing to this Corinthian church, real life men and women who have been living out their sexual, social, spiritual broken desires, and yet, by grace, through faith in Jesus, they are learning to submit their lives to Jesus. So the Apostle Paul can write, such were some of you. It's because Jesus changes lives. That's the story of North Village Church. There, there's a, there's a, 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 a nine and 10 of North Village Church. And by God's grace, there's an 11. Verse 11, such were some of you, but you were washed. Praise God. Hebrews 4 tells us this, that in Jesus, in Jesus, we have someone who can sympathize with our every weakness. That he can relate to our every temptation, and yet he is without sin. So I want you to sit in that for a minute, that he can sympathize and relate to our every temptation, our every desire. Think about all those desires we've been talking about these last 30 minutes. Jesus is the only one who can look at every one of us and say, I understand. 
I can't do that for you. But Jesus can. No matter what sexual desires we've thought or we've acted upon, Jesus says, I understand. And he says that we can approach his throne of grace, of mercy. And he, and he, and he says, turn to me. I understand you. I understand those desires. Turn to me. Find life in me. That's the invitation for every one of us here this morning. So I pray that we would all do that. Will you close your eyes? Will you bow your head with me? Well, Father in heaven, I, I, I confess, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm right here uh, in this message uh, for our church family as well. I have, I have broken desires, and um, by your grace, you've shown me how uh, they're destructive and they're hurtful and that they're empty. And by your grace, you've helped me to turn from those, to trust in you, to find life in you. Father, I pray that you'd help me to do that every day. Help me to do that over and over until one day that all those desires are made right, that all of creation is made right, that all of our relationships are made right. If there's any uh, man or woman or child here today that has questions about you, I pray you would help them to, to seek out those questions. That we'll have people at the front to pray for us, to, to, to listen to us. Father, I pray you help us to not sit alone in this conversation, but to respond. To turn to you. To turn to the body of Christ. To find life in Jesus. We thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.